Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, and I'm so excited to announce that we have a new returning weekly expert, Lance Lambert, editor at Fortune Magazine. He's going to be coming back every Thursday. I am so excited, Lance. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm excited too. And there's, you know, there's a lot going on every week in this housing market right now. Uh, so uh, weekly sounds about right. Oh, that is so awesome. And again, we're going to be doing this like all of our channels. We're going to tackle three topics up front in 10 to 15 minutes. And topic number one is you just had a recent conversation with the CEO of Redfin. Uh, they just made a headlines yesterday, I believe, announcing they are exiting the iBuying business. Uh, I believe they also announced their second layoff, which unfortunately affected about 550 people. Uh, so I'd love to hear about that conversation. Uh, Glenn, um, the CEO of Redfin, what do you got? Yeah, so the iBuyer program, uh, th they're going to shut it down, and they hope by the second quarter to have sold off the rest of their homes. And uh, there's two things there. There's obviously the cost of capital now has gone up significantly. It's not as cheap, and you need a lot of capital to run an iBuyer program. But the other thing is where they are positioned across the country is in a lot of these frothier housing markets that are getting hit harder. And uh, Glenn, the CEO over at Redfin, he was very candid. He told me that, uh, you know, he believes that home prices are correcting faster this time in the markets like Phoenix and Vegas because there's so many iBuyers and builders. And, you know, a traditional uh, seller, you know, they're going to cling to that price tag that's in their head. These yeah. iBuyers, these algorithms, they don't care. They do not. So every non-emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Every 14 days, they're going down 2%. And of course, you know, the builders got to go down too. And, uh, and so he said that he believes they are helping to drive uh, prices down faster. And he said for him, you know, as soon as the market rolled over, they noticed uh, the decrease in traffic to their own site. And so they were ready to go. They were ready to start selling. And uh, right now in Phoenix, in September, 10% uh, of all sales in Phoenix were iBuyers. So they're a chunk of the market there. Um, and uh, I, I don't know what that means nationally, but I, I do believe, Glenn, that that's helping to drive prices down faster in the markets like Phoenix, like Las Vegas. And John Burns Real Estate Consulting, that's also what they believe too. Builders, iBuyers. Helping to yeah, I think I think it's really interesting um, because obviously something as a, as a, somebody who's been talking about housing on YouTube for three years now, there's this talk of housing crash, housing crash. It gets lots and lots of clicks. I broke down, I don't know, I think nine or 10 months ago talking about Boise being, you know, if you wanted 20% correction, this feels like a market that was possible. In the last 60 or 90 days or so, I've, I've actually created a list of things and and the number one variable now is was I or I buyers dominant in your in your I call it a buy box right in your market, you know yeah. is is ten percent of the market I buyers. If it is, you have some pain coming, 
or you know it depends on how you want to look at it. not only you know if you're paying if you're a homeowner but if you're, you're an investor maybe it's opportunity because my my students and followers have learned you get to days on market at 60 i buyers get really aggressive again they're not emotional Maybe they're dropping prices 2% every 14 days, but there seems to be something magical at day 60 that they're like, dude, we'll take, we'll, we'll take almost anything. Um, and again, that's going to drive down prices. So, uh, but again, they're going to be out. There will be a time where I buyers will not exist in Phoenix, for example. Uh, and maybe it's Q2, you know, maybe it's Q3, but they'll be gone and, and we'll, we'll have to just rebuild that market. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that raises another question is, what was Zillow actually thinking back in November? Um, you know, they shut down in November. And if you go back and you look at the charts at the time, that is the month where the Fed started to realize, oh, this isn't as transitory as we thought. And so we were at 6% uh, with the CPI and the unemployment was at like three and a half. Every time that's happened in history, you know, the Fed's, you know, moved into that inflation finding mode. Uh, so I, I wonder there, you know, they were obviously overpaying for homes. They they thought they were going to compete with uh, open door and they ramped up faster than they should have, um, which, it you know, it's mind boggling to see even listings near my house that they bought and sold for a loss in 2021. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> I don't know how you could buy in 2020. That is definitely overpaying. <laughs> and sell for a loss. Uh, but I, I do know that Zillow lost big, but I believe that if they had not gotten out, they would have lost really big. Uh, yeah, I think year. it's I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I think it I think they lost like six almost seven hundred billion dollars or something just crazy. And they left near the peak. I mean, if you look at the peak for a lot of these markets, they got out near the peak. If they would have done it now, oh, and they already lost so big. Um, I, I I can only imagine. And they did sell all their homes at essentially the peak of the market, which is yeah, that, that, that's interesting. And when I talked to their COO uh, back in May, um, uh, Jeremy's his name, uh, he had said, you know, obviously the issues with the algorithm uh, and being able to forecast prices. But he also said it was the capital risks and how much capital you had to have set, set aside. Um, and they just made a decision that, you know, it, it wasn't the right business to be in long-term because you had to have everything go so right. And at the end of the day, the margins were still small. Um, yeah, it's what I always thought was real funny, Lance, is, the best two years to run an iBuying model was 2020 and 2021. The market bailed you out, right? You yeah. were adding a point of appreciation or whatever it was seemingly every four weeks. So even bad flippers made money. It, it, you had to really, you make money in this business by when you buy. They just had to be over, their algorithms, their buying model was just wrong. Yeah. And and so it, it's it's, you know, in a lot of this is across the economy. It's these things that, you know, their business, if it relied on really cheap capital, now they're in a little bit, they're in a pinch. The, you know, the cost of capital has gone up. So how can savvy investors kind of find these opportunities throughout the economy? Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think there's opportunities coming uh, in, in one way or another. Real estate's going to be one of the trickier ones because the stories are going to vary so much across the country. 
And uh, there's also a question of, you know, incomes are still rising fairly fast. Um, and, you know, it, so it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out. Yeah. Any hint? So Zillow's out, Redfin's mm -hmm. out, Open Door, <laughs> I keep joking, will be closed door. I mean, I just saw a statistic that Sacramento 70, I think it was 76% of their listings are listed below their purchase price, which doesn't sound like a good idea. Um, so, I mean, is anybody going to be left in nine months? Well, you know, the nice thing for Zillow is, okay, they get out and they still have their premium agent business, which has a good margin, right? Yeah, sure. And and now my feature that I wrote back in May for Fortune Magazine was, you know, the housing correction was essentially going to throw cold water on their uh, their their comeback plan. Um, and I think their, their premium agent business is going to go down a lot here because a lot of agents are leaving. Uh, but Redfin still has their core brokerage business. What does Open Door have if they get out? You know, yeah. it, you I think know. that's a great that's a great point. What I've said publicly is Open Door has like I mean the door is closing. There's a crack of daylight. Uh, they, they the only choice they have is to pivot to become a landlord or sell off to a private equity, saying take my inventory, let's turn these into rentals, and that's not going to be a great idea because again I think rentals are increasing right now. And they're um, in the wrong markets for the rentals. Exactly. They're Those in the wrong the markets. Market. Where there's the most downward pressure potentially on rents. You know, that rent story is going to vary so much across the country, but they're in the worst markets for it. Um, yeah. So, so open door, uh, again, my opinion, not yours, is a bankruptcy waiting to happen. It's, it's, uh, the closed closed doors coming. I don't think they're a standalone entity. I don't think they're, they're on the stock market. If they are, it's the pink sheets. Uh, in nine or twelve months, it, it's yeah. they don't have they they don't have another revenue stream. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I don't have an opinion there. Um, uh, maybe you know now all their competitors are driven out, and maybe this <laughs> is the opportunity. Maybe they can the buy part. better. And uh, you know, I I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, then, no comment. We'll be that fair. That's probably smart of you to say. Uh, so let's go back to the conversation with Glenn, CEO of Redfin. Uh, mm -hmm. Did he give you any indications that this is, you know, we're pausing, but we're going to come back or is this over in, any kind of thought about possibly revisiting this in the future? Yeah. I, I should say that I just wrote that story up last week, but oh. the interview was like five or six weeks ago. Okay. Um, it was right around when mortgage rates had went to seven for the first time. He, he was fairly somber, uh, but he was very candid. It was one of the, uh, he, he, relative to other uh, CEOs, he was very open about things. Uh, you know, one other thing he thought or that I thought was interesting from it was that he he had said that the religion is broken now with housing and home prices. And essentially, you know, especially for investors, they know that home prices can drop uh, mm -hmm. having gone through the last episode. Um, and so that probably is why, you know, if they have liquidity risk and, you know, they're, they're jumping, right. They're going yeah. to, I, I read that piece. I read your piece. Uh, it really, what he's really referring to, I believe is, uh, Glenn was referring to the 2008, we'll just call it that crisis proved that housing doesn't go up always. Yeah. So now that it is cracked. And again, as he admitted, he's causing some of that pain in, in local markets, uh, people people are quick to believe. Last time, maybe they didn't believe it, but now they don't have to be convinced. Is I think what he's referring to. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's right. And also, you know, this is me reading into it uh, sure. and just what I personally see.
But I think if you didn't have the last crash, I think people would have even went crazier during this boom. Like that oh, almost yeah. held people back a little bit. Well, um, lending certainly held people back. Our lending criteria was way different. This yes. Year. Well, yeah, that too. But, uh, you know, you know, those lower rates, people could have even taken on more and done even more crazier stuff. Um, yeah. You know, it, and it was, you know, I mean, and the crazy stuff was a little more isolated this time too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there it, was certainly a, a read into it. Yeah. I buyers, I buyers added again, localized, we're talking about localized pain, but there was localized greed or whatever you want to call it on the other side. They, they forced up an extra 10 or 15% that now we're giving back and we'll probably get back more of that in some markets as um, buyers get hurt with, you know, demand destruction, but also psyche, right? Uh, Buying a home is an emotional purchase. Signing up for a 30 year mortgage is emotional. And right now the headlines are scary. So, uh, and Oh, by the way, they're selling in winter which is usually the worst time to sell. So it's all kind of kind of bad news on top of bad news. Yeah. And, you know, and if you're buying from an iBuyer, it, it is a real thing. 14 days. You go look at those listings. It's 14 days. So, you know, you're getting a look, you know, I wouldn't be buying from them on the 12th day. <laughs> no, exactly. No, I, that's, and that's the key, right? One of the things I've been very open about is you have to figure out the rhythm of the seller. And I was buying from banks way back in the last crisis. And you knew, I knew what their limits were. Well, they, they'll do 11% below list, but they won't do 12. Well, guess what? All my offers were 11% below list. It, it's yeah. just, once you figure it out, you just play by the rules. So 2%, 14 days. I like it. I have, my students have told me day 60 is particularly magical, uh, which, which is uh, good to see. So again, do your work, learn your buy box. Um, if you're, if iBuyers aren't in your market, then don't worry about it. Uh, it's more standards, you know, mom and pop sellers. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch Lance. Uh, what is your byline for fortune and your Twitter handle so people can follow you? Uh, at news Lambert uh, for Twitter. And that's where I spend most of my time. Uh, and then uh, you could just Google Lance Lambert fortune to find me at fortune. Uh, and there is a recent piece that I did. Uh, I, you know, I'm, you know, I talk to Mark Sandy all the time and I get a lot of their housing data. I have their full, um, uh, analysis for their, or their full forecast for 322 markets at fortune.com. If you Google my name and fortune, you can find it. It's, you know, something I read about two weeks ago. I think it's interesting to look at, uh, you know, of course the Phoenix is the boy series are kind of in the peak to drop to maybe 20%. National is like nine to 10. Uh, but then Chicago is like three and there's a lot of fours, a lot of five. And it's like, to me, those corrections are like, so what? <laughs> you know, exactly. Those exactly. are the so what uh, corrections. Uh, the thing about the Moody's forecast that I haven't published as much, and who knows if the model is going to get this wrong, uh, but they think that it's less of home prices are going to drop so much and more of we're just going to stay a little under those uh, spring 2022 prices for longer than some people might think. Who knows if the model's right? Uh, but there's a lot of markets like uh, Boise and I would say almost all of the bubbly markets, they have them going into 2030 below 2022 price. Models are never right. Uh, but 2030 it's below 2022? Oh yeah, there's some of wow. these. They, now they don't think they're gonna be a ton below, 
but uh, they just think this is kind of essentially what the Moody's model is saying is that we got the 2020. We got the decade of appreciation early. Yes. My thing with it is, and, and I think readers should know this when they look at Moody's forecast, is Zandi's very much in the inflation is going to cool down really fast here, right? Correct. Cool he, think, he thinks we're going to go from eight to four within six months. That's the only way that you can, in my view, basically, that you can think that that scenario would happen. We, we are essentially on pace, I think, kind of for a decade of 50% inflation. We're already at 15. Uh, so even if it's like fives, a lot of fives, you could get up to a decade of 50. If that happens, you know, I don't think that, you know, the decade of home price appreciation is, is, has been full, is, is over, I, you know. Oh, nominally versus, that's the whole beauty of nominal versus real, right? Most yeah. housing data is nominal, yes, not real. So. so for the Moody's model, which does think that nominal is essentially going to flatline for the rest of the decade, but they think that inflation is going to get, get uh, tamed really fast. I would love to know what Larry Summers thinks for home prices. Oh, That's that would be a great Because his view is essentially, you know, we're at that stage where we're kind of close to wage spiral and there would be a lot more uh, wage growth and inflation in the decade. You know what? Know. We're gonna we're gonna swap up the order. We're gonna make video number two kind of the range of discussions, and at some point I'll work in mine and let you ask some questions. But uh, Lance, thank you so much. Video number two shortly.